Okay, uh, welcome to um, our first attempt at a podcast. Uh, my name is Riley, and I'm joined by Eric. Hi. And uh, today we are going to talk about um, the, I guess, the most, uh, the thing that is dominating the headlines um, in the news more than anything else, at least on a consistent basis, and that is the candidacy of uh, Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. And uh, at this moment, it looks like um, for the president of the United States uh, as well, depending on what happens at the convention um, in, I believe it's in July. Uh, so Eric and I are going to talk today about uh, various um, theories as to why um, this is happening because uh, for anyone who doesn't support Trump, it's it's a confusing situation, I think, for a lot of people, or at least most of the people who don't support Trump. It it seems like this has uh, come out of nowhere a little bit, and uh, that this is um, something that, you know, a lot of people are saying this is not politics as usual, as much as uh, U.S. politics can be quite a bit of a... a a blood sport, so to speak. This this seems to be a new level of um, it seems to be a new era of U.S. politics. So a lot of people feel that way, and so we're going to talk today about why we think that might be, and uh, and and try to understand it a little bit from our outsider perspective, as we both live in Canada. Um, uh, though we live near the U.S., we don't live in the U.S. So uh, basically, we've got a list of things we're going to uh, theories we're going to try to. Uh, uh, cover today, and we're going to see what we think is the best explanation. So, the first one we want to talk about is uh, whether or not Donald Trump is just a really successful troll. Uh, <laughs> I like he, that. I like that a lot. He, that's you know, probably the best way I've ever heard that described. <laughs> really I mean, successful troll. All right. Yeah, because he, I mean, he behaves like one, right? Like he certainly he goes um, out and he says the things that uh, he knows are going to piss off a, a a large chunk of of people um, and appeal to a small chunk of people. Yeah. And uh, and he he revels in the reaction he gets. He doesn't. He's not ashamed by the fact that people freak out. At what he no, says, it's, he, it's he actually loves it. Kind of, kind of interesting. If if you look at at Trump, he's actually um, a huge pro wrestling fan, and okay, whether he's a face or a a, a heel, uh, his persona here is is definitely one of a, a, a pro wrestler. Um, I mean, he's done numerous appearances on the the WWE with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and just if you look at it in that regard, his his actions are that of a, a heel in, in, in pro wrestling or a troll. It, it's the same thing. You, you try to get a reaction, whether positive or negative, and then you, you simply feed off said reaction. So for those of us who are not wrestling fans, specifically me, uh, a heel is somebody who is just in there to uh, like rile up the crowd, basically. Rabble rouse. That's it. They're, okay. Okay. They, they, so it's, it's a silly term, face and heel. Your face yeah. is your good guy. You're the one that the crowd is supposed to support and get behind. The heel's supposed to come in there and and try to basically stir up the crowd and and have them against him, so that he 
you know wrestles with the the other guy but yeah. okay i that's really interesting and i didn't i didn't realize that as somebody pays like zero attention to wrestling i had no idea that trump uh Huge. youtube clips of 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 him uh i mean i think he shaved vince mcmahon's head who was the the uh <laughs> ceo of of uh the wwe at some point so he has yeah. he has big ties to pro wrestling and the way he's running his his uh um campaign right now is is definitely very much like that or as the internet would call it a troll that's that's fascinating and it, it really it it goes to you know, it explains a lot of of what he's doing in a way because he's, like you said, he 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 has this. Uh, he he knows about theater in that case because I mean, pro wrestling is to a great degree about theater if it's not completely. Course, about it's theater, a show. Right? That's all it is. It's it's, so, it's, it's a yeah. Show. So I mean, that experience would really. Uh, I mean, it's like we go back to Trump's previous campaign, which uh, I must admit, like I think a lot of people in Canada, I paid very little attention to. Um, I didn't even I know think... he took a shot at, at running for office. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. yeah. Uh, for, a, I believe it was four years ago. It might've been eight. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was basically he run GOP again. Or was he running uh, Democrat? Yeah, it was GOP. Okay. Um, so it was probably four years ago because eight years ago he would have been a Democrat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's it's not wrong, you know. Um, anyway, uh, I think you know he might have he might have learned some lessons about um, what he needed to do because he did not it, it, the comp, the campaign. You know, he he was a he trailed the entire time. I believe he he gave up fairly quickly. Um, I don't even know if he was in more than one primary if he was even in a primary like he he announced and then he backed off like a lot you know like a lot of people do in the u.s the u.s is such a long long process there are always people who declare and then and yeah, then you know it's very obvious that they're not gonna yeah. there's no point whatsoever in them participating because they're spending all this money and so in in the case of um his first campaign i i mean i'd have i'd have to double check but i believe he just you know, he, he, he realized, okay, this is not working. So it makes perfect sense to me when you say that he's, he's a, and been involved in wrestling, that he would apply those lessons no, of course. To, uh, to that failure. And, and, you know, it, I actually, I actually like that better as an explanation than the internet troll, just because it's, it's the thing about the internet troll, of course, is that, um, that, uh, you know, people are, are, are sitting behind a, a sort of a, an illusion of anonymity. I mean, there isn't actually anonymity, but they think there is. Of course. And so they, they say lots of things that are not, they don't think people they know are going to find out they said. Of course. But, but Trump is, say, is doing the opposite, right? He's, he's, he knows that not only are people going to react to this, but they know he is the one who's saying them. And I think the, the wrestling thing is a much better uh, way of putting it and i didn't analogy to what he's doing no I, I i completely agree um he is he's he's completely looking at well what am i against here he, right now with with obama there there's a positivity behind him so he has to 
basically say, well, this guy has done this, 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 and this wrong. And he he's not actually saying anything constructive if you look at what Trump is saying. None, none of yeah. what he says is constructive. It's simply trying to evoke a reaction from, from people, whether positive or negative, and then he simply feeds off that. Yeah, yeah, I th uh, absolutely. And uh, all right, so, I mean, I think we're both agreed that, like, this is, regardless of... Uh, why people like that he's he's clearly um very skilled at it he's very skilled at it and he's he's taken like he's he's found this tactic that at least for this moment in time at the very least works and works well enough that i believe the last number i heard is something like uh 12% of the whole adult population of the us which is obviously a lot bigger population of the uh members of the Republican party who bother to go to the primaries mm -hmm. um, are, I think he is, uh, he should be the next president of the United States. But that, that's mind boggling. That's yeah. And so, and, and so that like, that's a good segue into, uh, into um, another question and, and all oh, basically all further questions that we're going to talk about today are all related to this is like, why, why is this tactic, this, this, let's call it this pro wrestling tactic. Why is it working? And um, the first one I want to start off with is, is so uh, I had a professor um, in university uh, many, many years ago who, who basically, uh, when, when you and I were in university, um, George Bush Jr., as I like to call him, was, uh, yeah, W was, was in power. And yeah. uh, in, in my, um, in my final year, of undergrad, he um, ran for re-election, and then uh, shortly after I graduated university, he won a second term. And this was, I think, especially to Canadians who tend to be a little more um, left-wing on the whole than Americans. Um, and also, I, I, I mean, this isn't not to cast aspersions on the Americans, but uh, we're we're set, we're not caught in their like cauldron of partisan stuff so we're party I, system. It's, it's expected yeah i think though we're uh, all i was trying to say is i think we're a little more as, as observers outside of the system we might be able to have a little more uh objectivity because like when we were watching what was going on you know with with say the iraq war i i feel like more people in canada were aware that there was no connection between um al-Qaeda and Saddam Hussein than there were maybe in the U.S., at least at the time. I mean, now everyone knows that, but at least at the time, it felt like in the U.S., they were all like, this is very true. And, and there's this connection. And so no one saw the Iraq war, or not enough people saw the Iraq war as a policy blunder. Uh, blunder. So uh, up in up in Canada, we were all like, how is it possible that this guy can get reelected? This doesn't make any sense. In the U.S., it made a lot more sense. Of course. But this prof this professor of mine, he he said something during the the re-election campaign that that really stuck with me, and I think it relates a little bit to Trump, which is why I bring it up. Which is that he said he's like, look at look at the previous presidents of uh, of the United States prior to W. You know, you have uh, Bill Clinton, who was a smooth talking uh, Rhodes Scholar. Uh, before that, you have uh, Bush's father, who was a career um, 
a bureaucrat and politician, right? He was vice president for eight years before he was president. He was also the head of the CIA at one point. I mean, this guy was an establishment figure, as establishment as you get. Of course. Before that, they had an actor, a very and and <laughs> you know a, a guy who again like. I, I've never particularly found Clinton charismatic, but I know a ton of people do, and and, and ton of people found, he, he, yeah, every, he, you know, I'm like I'm in the minority there, and everyone, you know, a lot of people also found Reagan extremely charismatic. I mean, you have to basically this guy would say, my professor was saying, you have to go back to Jimmy Carter before you had someone who was similar to the average American, and okay. even then. He was only in power for four years. And before that, you had, again, well, forgetting, let's pretend Gerald Ford didn't really happen. You have Nixon, who was also a, just like Bush Sr., was a career uh, Washington person. So right. you have all these establishment figures, and you have decades of the establishment, and things are getting worse for the average person in terms of uh, their purchasing power, jobs are going overseas, all this stuff is happening. And yet the president is always this establishment figure. So he was saying, despite the fact that Bush was the son of a president, Bush had this this populist appeal as this everyman, right? He he wouldn't necessarily be perfect when he spoke. You know, he, he oh, would trip over certain. his words. Sorry? That's for certain. Some yeah, of the would, things that man said were ludicrous. Yeah, he would trip over his words. He would... He would misspeak all the time. He would uh, he would say really uh, sort of the stuff that was preposterous to those to people who didn't agree with him. And he would also, you know, he just had he was a he was a ostensibly he was a born again. I think that's probably actually true, but who knows? And I, he, a lot of they have to in, in a lot of cases they may not really have a relic, but you have to seem religious to be the president, apparently. Yeah, but Bush also, you know, uh, had had drug problems uh, when he was younger and, mm -hmm. and alcohol problems, and and supposedly Christianity uh, got him out of that. And that's something that a lot of people in the United States can relate to. Sure. And course. and he just, even though he was a millionaire, he seemed more like an average person than previous uh, presidents. And and when this professor of mine said that, I was like, I'd never thought about it that way. And I was like, wow. You know, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they've been talked down to for so long. Maybe they don't want to be talked down to before. Like, it, he basically, the way he put it was, they're tired of being lied to by the establishment. They'd rather be lied to by someone who reminds them of themselves. <laughs> and I think that's very true in, in all politics, and especially with, with what Trump is doing. He's appealing to the uneducated uh, sort of, ignorant working class who reads very little about anything has a very strong opinion about immigrants about the muslims about um you know people sneaking in illegally and taking their jobs and all he's simply doing is, is taking that fear and and playing on it and people feel that hey here's a guy who's actually standing up for me when all he's doing is fear-mongering. He's, he's not actually doing anything or saying anything that is feasibly or even logically possible when, when you actually get into office. I mean, come on. Who, who, who's going to get the Mexicans to pay for a wall? Like, you have to be completely out of your mind to think that another country is going to pay for a wall across their border that will completely cut them off from their neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Um, but he's also, you know, in some uh, to some extent, he's also saying what these people think. Of course, um, he is. but but can't say, you know, or felt like they couldn't say before he started saying it. And that, if 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 that is the case, which I think it is, that is a totally scary thought that there are this many people who actually think the way Trump is speaking. It's so it's me, funny. It's, just, it's it's completely insane to to be thinking about this way. I, I mean. A person is a person, whether they're a Mexican, whether they're Muslim, whether they're American-born, and and to, to think that, you know, oh, it's the Muslims that are the problem or the Mexicans, it just it it's completely foreign to, to my way of thought. But it, it's interesting because it's uh, one of the things I I've seen um, somewhere online was it was actually like an interview with some Trump supporters, and they they are reading in into what like everybody does you know they're projecting their values onto him in part because he changes his mind in part because he's vague so uh sometimes he's vague well, so i mean this also goes back to the pro wrestling thing he's picked something that he knows people and there's the other thing he never really says enough that you know what his opinion actually is yeah. he simply makes a broad statement which can be taken three different ways yeah and it, it's it's funny you say that because I, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely true. But one of the things I, I, I say to, to my father, who is an ex, uh, was an American at one point, um, he, uh, he is very alarmed by all this. And I say, you know, the, one, the one thing about Trump is you don't actually know if he's quite as extreme as he sounds. You know, like you may, you may be very, he may be very concerned about uh, Trump, but he uh he you know in theory might be actually less extreme than say uh ted cruz ted cruz believes what he says we don't actually know whether or not trump believes what he says no and the thing is uh with with trump he's taken so much media attention that rubio and cruz are are basically left uh, to their own devices nobody really unless you go digging knows what they really stand for i mean anything yeah. i've seen from uh, Cruz scares the crap out of me because he is a he's, he's a war hawk and he is very much um, right of center to 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 the point where um, the the comments he's making if he believes them are are scarier than what Trump's saying. Yeah, yeah, and that and 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 the thing is, like, if you look at Trump in the past, some of the thing opinions he's held in the past, you you. You might, if you view this campaign as, as like you said, like a wrestling thing, then he's he's fulfilling a role until he wins, and once he wins, he might not actually be quite as extreme. He might be significantly more centrist than he appears. Now that if could be just what he's following, then that will definitely be what happens. I mean, yeah. in wrestling, when when the heel actually gains enough crowd support, they ultimately become the 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 face, right? Until somebody else yeah. steps in and tries to knock them out of their their place so it, i mean once again with the wrestling analogy that that definitely could be very true i mean he's simply looking for a reaction so that he can become the 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 face or the you know candidacy for the the presidency yeah so uh so just about this this sort of like you can you you we don't know we don't know what he thinks and you can sort of um uh project what you think on him that's one of the things his supporters are doing is they if you listen to interviews with them 
they'll say, you know, they they don't agree with everything he says, but they like that he speaks his mind. And then they and then they'll sort of sort of explain what they think he really means. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is it's a powerful uh, thing that he's found because that way he gets supporters who don't actually necessarily completely agree with him. So I know you were saying earlier you were you were really scared about like what this is saying about the beliefs people have, but I'm not sure people are all the people who support him are necessarily as extreme as some of his positions are. They're just, you know, it's more it's like the frankness um, and the sort of um, the fact that he 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 just says whatever's on his mind, right? Like, yep. um, and I think in that in that sense, it's that is actually more appealing to people than the like, you know everything he the extremity of everything he says i think it's just like well here is a guy who's like you know he he just he's just talking he's talking and all so these other politicians are willing to overlook the bigotry the misogynistic attitude the racism yes. everything else because they can associate with some of what he's saying yeah I, that that's mind-blowing how how can you take some half of someone's statement and say well i i, I don't agree with most of it but you know what I like what he says because he speaks his mind. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I mean, there have been enough comparisons between Hitler and, and Trump. Um, if you're willing to overlook the racism and everything else because you feel that you can associate or that, that some of his beliefs fall in, in line with your own, you're going to end up electing somebody who's going to be able to steamroll and do whatever the hell he wants once he gets into power, and you're going to be the one who put him there. Yep. But I think we do that more that we all do that to some extent more than we think uh, in terms of, of projecting projecting our beliefs onto uh, you know the people we elect. I mean, uh, I, I I'm sure we did it in Canada with with Trudeau and, oh, and yes, we did. Right? <laughs> I think it, we're, we very much did that. Um, I was also going to say just you know with uh, with Obama too. Like look at look at Obama's first campaign. The slogan was hope, and as, as like a as a horrible horrible cynic as much as i i preferred obama to any republican <laughs> yeah. and and uh and actually think that he will be looked on fairly kindly by history despite the problems that i've had with some of his policies i i i found that hope campaign thing to be like ridiculous and you know, it was it was essentially meaningless, and which was its brilliance. You know, because people could just be like whatever they were really hoping for, they just project onto Obama, and then you know, it, it ended up with some very disappointed progressive people in the United States. And I was sort of thinking, like, I don't get why you're so disappointed. You know, we what did you think was going to happen? That's off topic. <laughs> yeah, but I just like I don't know what people thought was going to happen with the. Uh, with uh, you know, uh, it, the U.S. system is the way the U.S. system is. You have to make deals with uh, with party cronies. You have to make deals with large corporate donors in order to get elected. And the idea that one person is going to come in because he said you should have hope and and change everything is is very naive in my mind. And it it just it it's I, so I think it it is as much as with Trump, it's harder to understand why people are project uh, you know able to project whatever they want on him because he has said specific things that are offensive and also um as you rightly pointed out absolutely ludicrous in any in any kind of um way you know like uh 
you know, they did a, a cost estimate for this wall that he wants <laughs> to build has been put, I've heard one estimate at $30 billion. And Trump has changed his estimate from four to 12 already. Like he keeps upping it every month. The price goes up. Um, but but still, despite that, it's it, people are can still seem to project, you know, themselves on onto him and and because in in a lot of cases and once again he he's even said in his speech I love uneducated people the the fact of the matter is he is playing to people who don't want to do their research who don't want to do their homework who who basically feel put out because they're they're stuck in what they they think is a, a menial job and. Trump says, "Well, it's the Mexicans. That's 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 why you're having trouble getting good work." Well, I, I'm I'm sorry. These these people, you know, you get Mexicans who come across the border and they're willing to do the crappiest job in the states for low pay because they had nothing, and they're willing to work their tails off. Whereas these people who are feeling disenfranchised aren't willing to put the work in, aren't willing to put the effort in. Simply think that because they're American, they should be handed a job, and Trump is playing to that. And not only that. He's also playing to the perception of uh, a problem with Mexicans because for the last five years or so, the population of illegal immigrants in the United States has dropped to a great uh, – there, there for the last couple of years, there have been more people leaving the United States illegally than there have been uh, entering. <laughs> Uh, but nobody, you know, nobody covers that in the U.S. or very few people do <laughs> uh, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't play to the prejudices like no. just saying – the whole problem is illegal immigrants. Yeah. Um, to sort of uh, um, change gears a little bit, um, one one interesting thing that um, that was uh, shown in the fall back when Trump was still considered to be a, um, he was he was a front runner in the Republican um, race at the time, but the primaries hadn't started, and he was generally considered to be um, not a viable presidential candidate. By by most experts, and one reason being that every every front runner who has ever been every time there's ever been a poll in U.S. history over a year before the next presidential election, the front runners in both parties, provided there have been other people running, have not won the election. So based on the past, people thought there's no way um, <laughs> Trump would still be popular a year later. We're not there a year later, but six months later. And anyway. But one of the interesting things about it was that the media was, uh, and I, I'm including every like all television media in this, not just uh, Fox, was covering Trump to an insane degree compared to everybody else. He he at one point in the fall he was getting more um, more attention on television than the entire Democratic field, Democrat field rather, oh, and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but at the time, I mean, now it makes sense, right? Now he is the Republican front runner. He may actually clinch the nomination prior to the convention. It makes sense to cover him now. But at the time, he did not have that pedigree. And no. yet they were covering him more than anybody else in the entire field. And by by huge margins, not by a little bit, but by a huge, huge amount. So one one question I wanted to talk about as well is, like, is this partially the fault of the television media that we're here today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the media in the States plays a, a huge role in, in, in people's uh, perception. I mean, somewhat 
less here in in Canada. But I mean, CNN is is just huge down there. Fox News. Um, if if they jump on something, once again, people don't want to read their media anymore for for the the most part. Um, if you can be fed it, then they'll probably eat it up. And yeah, they've definitely had a, a huge uh, influence on on how Trump is covered now. And it's it's like you said with your. Uh you know introducing the wrestling angle it's like this is this is sort of like it it was it was necessary for him i think for him to well, yeah, he need he needed to get that media time because if if we are using the the wrestling analogy again if if you're not getting the 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 face time or the the camera time then you can't stir up the crowd and i mean they 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 won't get behind you um so he obviously sought it out he he tried to make it so that he was as media friendly as possible uh not even necessarily media friendly but necessary but you know god yeah attractive yeah. to the media yeah, yeah because he 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 sells airtime he sells papers uh he opens his mouth and and supports something completely racist and hey this is good news i i actually i i got into a a minor argument with my girlfriend about uh um whether or not uh um this this like there was complicity uh on on behalf of the media because i was getting kind of annoyed because i was just like stop covering the guy if you just like ignore him he's gonna go away yeah, but and they won't, they won't. It, it, it's like yeah. a train wreck or a car accident if it is selling airtime they're gonna cover it whether it be right or wrong and you're absolutely right about that. And I don't know what I was hoping for, <laughs> you know, because I understand that the media works this way. And I don't know why I, I just was thought that it was in their, in their blood to like ignore this. But I, I did. Point, I was holding out hope. Well, at some point, you hope that uh, that there's journalistic integrity and that this guy is so abhorrent that maybe they'll go. You know what? Covering him is only perpetuating. Um, you know what he's standing for so you you hope that maybe that journalistic integrity says okay well we can cover him less let's let's look at what might be more important but that doesn't sell airtime yeah yeah and and, and then you'd so also spoon fed well thought out opinion they want easily digestible uh quick sound bites i mean Guys like Jerry Springer are so incredibly popular because of stuff like that because he yeah. makes good sound bites and and you're you're right too because uh, um, they you know uh, in addition to it it being good ratings it's also you know um, Trump has accused every it basically accuses everyone of being against him right of course which is one one of his appeals to people and frankly if the media had the television media had done what I wanted in the fall that argument might have held even more sway with his. Uh, his supporters because he would have been he would have looked like he was telling the truth you know okay. he would have been like hey like they're not why are they not giving me press you know they're, it's a conspiracy or whatever <laughs> i then that may have actually worked had they not given him the press time in the first place but yeah <laughs> i mean it ended up being moot because they you know they, they covered him i mean the the stats i saw in the autumn were insane i mean he was getting so much more coverage than anyone else it was just like this is not you know you can throw out any pretense to objectivity here this is not 
objective coverage. This you like as you put it, you are covering it because it's a train wreck and not because you know this is yeah, a there's, political there's, campaign. There's no journalistic integrity here. They're not covering it because they feel there is a good story behind this or there's something that that needs to be broken down and that the public needs to be made aware of. They're covering it because putting Donald Trump on uh, the the television screen will will bring them viewers. Yeah. Um, all right. So another aspect of, of Trump that uh, I want to talk about was um, his and, and, and a reason why some people are, are are theorizing that he's, or theorizing rather, that he is uh, um, popular is the uh, grade level he speaks at, which has been calculated around four. And um, but it's it's worth noting that uh, he also speaks in a, sp- a specific style. So there are lots of you know words that that sound tough and. Uh, okay. As a salesman, he's doing exactly what you need to do to sell a product. And in that case, the product is himself. He is saying very little about what he actually is, but he's using catchwords like fantastic, um, you know, uh, will be the best. He he simply is is putting, uh, planting a seed and then simply just talking around that so that, that, what sticks in your head is is Trump. It, it it's a it's a classic sales tactic. Yeah, uh, which it is seems to be working. It, it seems to be working very very well, and it 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 is interesting because he, you know, he definitely. I mean, he he sells this image of success. But, but if you, yeah, I mean, if you look, is, but if you actually look at his business ventures, Donald Trump is is a piss poor businessman. The yeah, the man yeah. the the man goes after ventures that are are completely ludicrous and simply because he has the money yeah. when they fail, he just kiboshes them and says, eh, well, whatever, a couple million bucks, who cares? I, I read somewhere uh, that, you know, had he passively invested his parents' wealth instead of actively invested it, he would have twice as much money now. Um, I don't know if that's actually true, but sorry. There are people who actually know what they're doing in, yeah, wealth investment, whereas Trump simply throws money at a venture and, and hope it catches. I mean, yeah. look at Trump's steak for Pete's sakes. <laughs> but you're right because uh, he's, he, he's, he may not be good at, at, at the actual, like at, at figuring out what people, what will work, but he's very good at selling and his, his real success uh, seems to be in, in branding rather than, you know, anything, because it, I mean, uh, you know, he he sells his name, right? Like he doesn't. His more he has had way more success selling his name than he has had developing businesses. I agree. Way more, definitely. And 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 so this this whole salesman thing, he 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 gets that part of it. He may not get the part of like how you actually create a product. I don't. Yeah, good. he doesn't have the business acumen, but he is definitely a salesman. Yeah. So he, he is more, I think, of a salesman than a, a businessman, which is, of course, hilarious because part of his spiel is that he is a businessman and, and a successful uh, one, um, which is, you know, I mean, that's that people have said, you know, they he they they support him because they know he's, you know, Trump uh, is synonymous with success, which is yeah. really, really 
bizarre thing to say if you well, do even again. a little bit of like cursory cursory research about his his ventures but i mean that goes back to what i was speaking to earlier in that he is trying to appeal to the ignorant and uneducated because he knows they're not going to do their research they're not yeah. going to do the background check they're not going to look at at his failures um they're just simply going to say, hey, look, he's got $4 billion. He must be good at this. Mind <laughs> you, a point I love to make is you give most people, you know, four $1 million loans and let them throw it at something, chances are they're going to hit something that makes money at some point. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And there, there is a bit of a, I mean, we have to be a little, or I probably have to be a little careful here because of, um, uh, it, but there is a there is a Toronto connection to this, um, which is our former mayor Rob Ford, who just who just died uh, recently, and is actually I believe about to lie in state um, here in Toronto in in the coming days, and uh, he he again uh, very similar in, in in a number of ways to Trump, but one of the ways was he he was born into a successful business, and was able to campaign in Toronto on the idea that he was a successful businessman and that would let him um you know sort out the inefficiencies in uh, in the toronto uh, municipal government and of course that is not what happened but he sold this image of himself as you know and his brother still does this of of this uh i i'm a successful businessman but if you look at it it's it's it was his dad just like just like trump Trump took some wealth and then made it grow. He, he didn't really have to do much of anything because he was handed the money in the first place. Yep. So, um, but yeah, he's not, he's not a successful businessman. And once again, it, he just, it, it baffles me because you, the, the Trump supporter says, well, I, I hope he runs, you know, when he wins the presidency, I hope he runs the, the, the country like he does his business. Oh, I'm sorry. If if that's the way you want him to, to run your economics, he, he's going to be throwing good money after bad, and you guys are going to you know the the deficit is just going to absolutely inflate under Donald Trump. Well, it's funny though you mentioned that because I I have said in in discussions with my father, I've said to him, you know, like I the the thing that I really think is going to happen with him, and it in it really isn't that bad as, as some of the, I mean, let's say putting aside, let's say for example, that his rhetoric is just rhetoric. Um, and that he's actually, you know, not completely genuine what he's saying about say, uh, building walls and, 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 you know, uh, waterboarding everybody who is suspected of terrorism or whatever. Yeah. Let's uh, go all in Guantanamo. Yeah. Um, but you know, the best case scenario with him, I think, at least from a domestic policy standpoint, is that he just runs up the debt a lot, if, if Congress even lets him do it. And I got to say that as these things go, that's actually not that awful because all presidents try to do that or do that. So, um, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, if he is president, um, his, his handling of the economy is going to be abysmal. And uh, I mean, I, but... You know, that's uh, in, compared to, uh, you know, um, some of the more dire possibilities with him. That's rather minor, I feel like. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So to get to get into like we've been talking 
to to a great degree about tactics and and I think that I I you know that we really want to know we all sort of want to know why you know we we get that he's appealing to certain types of people who aren't willing to do uh enough you know they don't want to fact check anything and they they want their prejudices reinforced rather than challenged and they you know and they don't they don't want a complicated solution to things they want uh, someone to tell them that everything's going to be okay and 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 leave it at that um so is this you know there there's there have been a couple more than a couple republican um uh candidates for the nomination in the past few elections the two that uh i'm going to mention are uh, mike huckabee and rick santorum who have been rather extreme and have had some degree of primary success they obviously didn't win the nominations in either case but they've been quite out there as uh you know considerably more out there than say uh w uh in terms of their their ideas and uh in and how far they are away from the in the, the mainstream of the united states so one one question is is this kind of like the logical conclusion of the support for huckabee and santorum is it has has the republican uh establishment and and the u.s political establishment as a whole ignored a group of of mostly white male voters who are tired of not being listened to and is this just really the the end the logical end of that well that's that's interesting i i definitely think that that trump is a uh a a result of the the politics of of the the republican party uh, as of late um and and more so since we've seen you know two terms of of obama they've basically pushed the the extreme into the forefront because they they can't stomach the idea of sitting another term under a um a, a moderate president um and they created Trump. They they basically forced him into the limelight, and it's it's a logical conclusion to the the type of politics they've been preaching. And I think now that this is happening, a lot of mo more the moderate uh, Republicans are going, oh oh wait 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 a minute, is is this really what we were trying to do when we were you know uh, pointing out that uh, you know a lot of America's problems are this or this and fear mongering it but you push that idea long enough and your fringe is going to to step into to the middle and and become more vocal yeah um i i agree and uh it's uh it's 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 also interesting because you brought up uh, you know the us has had a number of problems um and one one uh like serious problems lately that they were not experiencing say in the 1950s i mean uh and i'm speaking of of uh, the economic divisions in the U.S. particularly. Um, but, you know, there, one theory is that there is a general rage at the establishment, and it's expressing itself on both sides of the spectrum, on the one hand in the case of Trump and on the other hand in the case of Bernie Sanders. Only the, the left-hand side of it does seem to be a little more um, uh, informed, I guess is one way of putting it, you know, um, as to the actual probable causes of, of these problems. Yep. No, Whereas the Republicans, uh, you know, as you said, they like to, they they preach a sort of more simplistic 
a solution and that usually involves just fear of the other. They fear and, uh, so they Yeah. Do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since you brought up uh, Obama, um, uh, that's a good segue to uh, the next uh, topic, which is, is this in part um, a reaction specifically to Obama? Is that why this has been emphasized? Because like I said, Huckabee and Santorum were successful only within the Republican Party, and there was no chance that either of them was going to win the presidency had they even been nominated, which of course they weren't because they weren't even that successful. And the reason I bring this up in part is because, um, and I just want to do a little plug here, uh, I listen to a, a, a great podcast once a month called Hound Tall, which is um, run by a comedian named Moshe Kasher. And basically what it is, is they bring in, a, he brings in an expert on a topic and a bunch of comedians and the expert tries to explain the topic or talk about the topic while the comedians constantly interrupt him or her and make jokes. And it's, it's actually a lot of fun and it can be quite informative and it informs this, this, this latest point because it was the first time I was introduced to an idea that I've now read about a few times online, that this is actually a reaction specifically to the skin color of Obama and the fact that nobody prior to Obama thought, especially in the, the sort of old white establishment uh, on the right, that it was possible to have uh, an African-American president and that they are still so utterly out of sorts with that actual reality that they, they can't, they can't even, they don't, they're not able to look at Obama, like, it, to, to, to give you one, ex, uh, just one example, the, the recent, like, comments about how they're not even going to entertain um, nominations for, uh, for a new justice. Hey, that's, that's, that's mind-boggling. You're yeah, going rail, like, to railroad your entire process because you are racist and don't like the fact that a black man may put somebody into your justice system who would actually be very good for the the US from you know where I'm sitting simply because hey you don't like the guy but it's not it's not just that it's all of his stuff you know like in many cases obama has been way more, first of all pretty much all cases obama has been way more moderate than everyone on the right thought he was going to be mm -hmm. and and I even think, even right. people on the left right and and he he actually in the case of like say Obamacare for example that is an adaptation of a Republican policy at the state level and a number of his policies that have that have actually been like uh, actually made it through Congress which hasn't been that many have been adapted from Republican policies either at the state level or from Republican suggestions by Congress or Senate and the Republicans don't that the extreme Republicans don't even want to acknowledge this they think. And it, it does seem to me, and this was suggested on this podcast that I was listening to, that this is particularly race-informed because what the hell else is going on? Why are they, this is their own, they're like, they're, they're compromised policies that, that are based in many cases on ideas that came from within their own party. And they're still like, not only are these policies not policies that I would support, but they're policies that are destroying the country. Like it's not, it's hyperbole. It's not even like, you know, I don't agree with this, so I'm going to repeal it if I'm elected. It's like, no, this man is destroying the country. Oh, I know. Um, and the, 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 you know, question would be if Obama were 
you know, a, a white president would it have the same effect? Probably not. Um, and you know, my my sister um, goes down to the states uh, once a year. She's she's paid by a, um, a snowbird to to drive this this woman's car down to Florida for her, so that okay. she doesn't have to drive and then whatever. So my sister goes through the the deep south um, once a year on on a road trip, and that's cool. Uh, the the racism is still utterly rampant. It's just it it's blatant apparently, and and people are just sort of okay with this. And yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I mean how, and it's a large portion of the states too. I mean Texas, uh, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi. It it's very prevalent, and people don't seem to have a problem with this. Yeah, well, and I don't get it. Part of it is a, a still like a, a really you know it, it it it's been a really long time it's it's been it's been a hundred and fifty years since uh, the That's amendment good. that ended slavery but it, it hasn't it has only been uh, you know fifty or sixty years since the end of Jim Crow and and still and and less than fifty years since the Civil Rights Act and um. I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, so I read a, I've been to the deep South a couple times and I, I can't say that my experience has been the same as your sister's. I, but I also was not there anywhere near as much as her. And, you know, um, it was oh, brief, brief trips to very specific places, but I did, I did read a book a number of years ago that made a huge impression on me, which was called, uh, Confederates in the attic. And it was about, um, it was a man, um, an investigative journalist who basically just went through the, the U S South um, participating for one summer, participating in civil war reenactments with uh, on, on the, on the rebel side. And he did this in, I believe 1998 or 1999, the summer of one of those two years. And his experience was, uh, was the same as your sister's, which was just, he was gobsmacked. He couldn't, he didn't. He had never met people like this before, and he didn't understand where it was coming from because he was a New Yorker, and right. he actually is Jewish. And he actually makes a point in the book of mentioning that he never. He felt like he couldn't say that to anybody down no, there, probably because not. he thought he he in in some cases. I don't think he ever put it exactly in this way, but he he felt that he might have been concerned for his safety had he actually because he was sleeping in, in ditches with these guys right he was dressing up like a, a rebel soldier and and participating in these reenactments which would go on for days and and whole weekends and stuff hey as long as he didn't make mention that he was jewish he was a white male you know yeah. in in the south it, it really you know doesn't uh it wouldn't have affected him if he had said he was yeah. jewish i bet it would have um, I mean, here's 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 just another point to to the rampant uh, racism that that goes on in the South. A friend of mine, his his dad lives in Atlanta. He okay. was down visiting him, and Atlanta has a fantastic transit system. It's called the MARTA or Metro okay. Atlanta Rapid Transit Authority. Um, and my buddy asked us, he's like, okay, well, everybody here, you know, his dad lives in one of these huge gated communities where there's nobody but white people, drives a huge uh, SUV. Um, and my, my buddy says, well, why, 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 don't, why doesn't anybody take the, uh, the, the MARTA? And his dad looked at him and said, you know what the, the, the acronym for MARTA is in, in, in Atlanta? So it's M-A-R-T-A or yeah. 
moving African Americans rapidly through Atlanta. <laughs> oh, that's awful. I shouldn't it's have horrible. laughed. It's happening. Yeah. But white, uh, affluent white people will not take it. They they yeah. will not get on it. So if you look at the the average person that that's riding the 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 transit in Atlanta, they're probably going to be working class blacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely um, uh, some some uh, really deep seated issues, and and just to like so we don't completely rag on them, I would like to point out um, that you know our experience of of the South is limited, and oh, yeah. I, I would I would like to s uh, just name drop a band briefly. Sorry, uh, but to say that. Uh, you know, one one I I have definitely had this impression as a Canadian. The little bit I've traveled in the South, and uh, um, and and definitely like our cultural experience up here of the of the South is that it's uh, full of racists. But uh, a band that has 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 helped educate me that is not completely true is a band called the Drive By Truckers, who if you if you like uh, like sort of straight ahead rock music. Um, Drive-by truckers, eh? The drive-by truckers. You should yeah. check them out. And uh, they they basically one of their big uh, sort of things is that they they uh, they try to in their lyrics they try to write about the South in a way that is is um, more nuanced. So, for example, they have a line um, um, in one of their songs which, which I'm going to horribly misquote, but it's something along the lines of. Uh, you know, to the rich man, all poor people are the same color, or all people, poor people, look the same, or something like that. And and that is a reference, of course, to the sharecropping uh, that that affected both um, uh, black people and white people in the South. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that because we do realize that it that it's more uh, it's more complicated than that. But there is absolutely this is still the the sort of the place where. Um, fear of, of of black people has not ever disappeared and and it seems like a lot of people in the in the south in particular and in, in in many parts of the states haven't yet figured out that um people with uh different skin color than them are the same <laughs> as them and in part because they never spend any time with them each other you know they like you said they're segregated in 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 practicality, you know, in all, for all intents and purposes. Of course, you you have you have money in the south. You go to a white school. You uh, go to an Ivy League university. You you really never have to to come in contact with anybody. Um, and it it it's really sad. And you look at it, it back to I mean the topic of Obama. It is that old money in the the Republican Party that is so terrified of this man because of his skin color. I, I mean, nothing Obama says. Um, is particularly way out in left field. Um, he's he's moderate. He's well spoken. He's seemingly highly intelligent. Everything you would want in a president. He's he's an excellent public figure, yep. but he's black. Yep. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I I think that this is a real. It, it's. I I I felt. And this could have just been my limited reading on the subject, but I felt until I, I listened to this podcast that I mentioned, I had not fully thought about this because to me, I don't, you know, uh, I'm not trying to like 
toot my own horn and say I'm superior or anything, but when I think of Obama, I think of him as the president of the United States. I do not oh, instantly think of him as a the black president of the United States or or a black man and then the president of the United States or anything like that. I just well, he's that, the president. That, that leads me to a, a question that I should pose to you. If Clinton, if Hillary Clinton is to to win, do you think there will be the same backlash because she's a woman? Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I think that that, had you asked me that eight years ago, ten, uh, yeah, eight or nine years ago, I would have said it'll be easier for a woman than a, than a black man. I, I don't know that I believe that anymore in part because of the way in which Clinton has been treated by the Republicans and the media while she was secretary of state and, and, um, and, and just generally in general, uh, this is this is someone who, like you know, has in many ways followed the followed the old rules of how women were supposed to behave. You know, women used to be told behave like a man already, you know, and yep. and we'll accept you. So Clinton goes out and does this, and then she's criticized for doing that. And well, it's Trump like, is very good at pointing that out. Yeah, and it, it's and hilariously for him because of course he he used to have a personal relationship with her i i doubt he does anymore um but like they used to know each other at some point and, and uh now they obviously know each other still but the, whether or not they are on speaking terms i would i would suggest they're probably not um but uh yeah like this is this is that's a uh, i i think i think it is it's a real real uh it's a hurdle that will probably if Let's say that the polls are generally right and no Republican can win the, the presidential nomination uh, or, or sorry, the presidential election and uh, Clinton ends up, uh, she wins the Democrat and, and nomination and she, she unfortunately she's going to be a lame duck president, much like uh, Obama. Yeah. I, think, I don't think Congress will let anything pass. And I think that, you know, it, it's going to engender the same similar levels of resentment uh, from from the right, um, especially to have black man, black man, woman, um, yeah. three in a row. You know, it's just going to make the this this uh, this group that thinks that they've lost their uh, they've lost their country even more adamant that they've lost their country. Well, that that makes you wonder if if we're getting Trump after eight years of an african-american president what would happen after 12 years of democrats in which a woman is the last for the, the the candidacy for for the next presidential election if, if we think trump is scary now wait till we see who surfaces next yeah and it is a very it's a very very example of the right she's just loonies looney tunes absolutely yeah. she's supporting trump but she's misogynistic and she's okay with this yeah yeah it's it's uh and it's a very valid point for us all to, I think, be sincerely concerned of the future if if this is what happens and what the reaction will be. And the one thing I can say, as a as a place uh, a place to put hope in, um, or a thought to to sort of a happy thought, is that demographically the country is changing so much that it doesn't. It may not matter how crazy the Republicans are next time; they're losing their base, and they may be losing it fast enough that it won't matter. And that, that, I mean, there, there have already, there've been a number of people who have already basically said this may be this, this could be the last election that the Republican party exists. There may need to be a new conservative party because of how 
messed up things are getting. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think that's a little too fringe is pushing the the middle to to the other to the other team. You know, the other yeah. Side. Or, well, I mean, and if you look back at U.S. politics prior to the 21st century, particularly, and even into the early 21st century, you know, the the parties changed more frequently than they do now. So it isn't it it's not without precedent precedent that uh um you know parties have disappeared and new ones have formed it's just not something that's happened in the united states in a really long time but it used to happen you know with some frequency mm -hmm. um and 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 even even when the parties had stayed the same in the 21st uh, sorry in the 20th century they have their membership has changed drastically, right? Like the the best example, of course, being the migration of the conser the conservative South from the uh, from the um, Democrats to the Republicans in the uh, '60s and '70s, mm -hmm. which you yep. know uh, made it so crazy that to me uh, that like my family, my American family, uh, was a Republican family, um, and you know when I was younger, I was sort of like, huh. <laughs> And yeah. and a lot of that was it was they were they were Eisenhower Republicans, uh, you right. know they weren't they weren't Nixon or Reagan Republicans, right? Though they may be now, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's the thing. You have a two party system down there, and it, it's you're either on the right or the left. There, there's no sort of moderate, and it, it's it's strange to me. But um, yeah. So so we have only a, a couple more. Uh, ones that I want to cover okay. and uh, so that that's okay with you no problem still good. all right because um, you know I, I know you you have places to be at some point so um, all right so the next thing is uh, this this may seem like a weird little bit of a digression at first or, or not but so in the aftermath of World War two you know people were really trying to understand why uh, why not only Nazism had happened in Germany, but why fascism had happened in uh, Italy and to a lesser extent in Spain and, and, and to some degree in some other countries. And I believe a couple of the, um, the countries that broke off from uh, uh, um, Austria-Hungary had also experienced some degrees of uh, fascist success during the 1920s and 1930s. And, you know, there some obvious uh, explanations were, were simple, like... You know, it's uh, it was primarily economic. Obviously, the Great Depression happened and stuff, but that wasn't really satisfactory in part because of the the basically how obvious it seemed to the opponents of fascism that how bad fascism was and how it didn't seem to matter to the people who were fa who supported the fascists like they didn't they would blind themselves to the worst part just like we were talking about with trump earlier they would ignore the bad parts and just sort of be like well this person's restoring pride in my country you know Got it. And, basically all it is yeah and you you get people who feel disenfranchised enough if they're promised to have their country back and to, to have what they had you know 20 years ago it, it's as appealing. bad as it is to me, people will jump on that bandwagon because then they say, well, hey, I get back what I lost. Yeah, yeah, it's very and appealing. Hitler was incredibly good at playing to that. Yeah, He was a blatant racist, but people were willing to look, overlook that. Oh, it, it, the, the Jews are the problem. The yeah, and yeah, the, well, the other thing is, is the scapegoating, that? right? Scapegoating is, yeah, is, exactly. is a necessary thing to do. Once again, Trump's very good at that, too. Yeah, so... This this uh, this man named Theodore Ordono 
um, he came up with the idea of the fascist personality, which was basically a, a latent personality trait in some people that was brought out by people who come along and make um, who, who were strong leaders who pretended to be strong leaders or said they were strong leaders or whatever that means. And who said, you know, I'm going to make things better appeal to the past appeal to, you know, um, the idea that there is an other that is blame that is responsible for everything. And that kind of tactic. Now that, that theory, it has a basic appeal, but basically a lot of people attacked it for being like, for one thing, the, the most, even without like knowing anything about the theory, the mo the mo biggest hole you can put in it is like, well, if this is a personality trait, where was it prior to the rise of fascism? Right? It doesn't really make any sense. Mm. If this, if, if people felt like this before, why 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 is fasc was fascism a new phenomenon in the nineteen twenties and thirties? Um, but you know, yeah, people I think basically I think that goes more to to the the times there and prior to the the nineteen twenties and thirties, the the conditions were not quite right. Uh, I mean, Germany awesome. after World War One had nothing. Inflation was to yep. a point where, it, you know, it was costing you thousands of dollars to buy a, or thousands of DMARC to, to buy a loaf of bread. So yep. Hitler simply gave them something to, to, to grab onto. And yep. it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was a hope that, 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 that disenfranchised middle was going to, to have what they had before, before, you know, um, World War One. And he simply played on that, which is what Trump, once again, I mean, back to Trump, he's currently doing that with the, the disenfranchised middle or what he calls the uneducated. So idea. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was, I guess it was one of the reaction to it also was that it was not really grounded in uh, thorough, like it, it was, it was a philosophy more than it was a psychological theory. So they didn't have a lot of research, but in the U S in the last 20 or 30 years, a group of people have been researching the idea of a some kind of uh, fascistic strain in in the population in the US. That there's a group of people who want strong leadership, um, no questions asked, really, and they and they uh, they are receptive to you know, I don't think it's controversial. We, you've already mentioned it a few times. I don't think it's controversial to, to regard um, uh, Trump as a fascist. Um, and I, I didn't say Nazi. I'd like to point that out. I didn't say Nazi. A fascist. And that is somebody who... Completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Who appeals to, uh, you know, this desire for a leader who is going to lead with no real specifics and yeah. who is going to make things better and who appeals to simple you know, fears and simple hopes and that's it. And there's no nuance. It's just like make America great again yeah, or make Italy great again exactly. or make Spain great again or whatever. But you know? once again, he's simply appealing to that. I, I, I don't think I have ever heard Trump say anything concrete about how he's going to do this. He says, oh, we're going to make America great again. You ask him a question and he'll answer it in such a roundabout way that by the end of that answer, all you get from it is we're going to make America great again. And he doesn't actually speak to anything, but he says just enough that you can grab onto that little tidbit and go, yes, that's exactly what I, I, I believe. And it goes back to the beginning. People are imposing themselves on this because he's good at it. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. As we, as we talked about, he's a, he's a salesman and uh, that's a, that's a important part of this. Um, so, 
basically where I was leading with all this is, you know, they, they, these, these psychologists have decided that there is a segment of the U S population that, that prefers authoritarianism. Now, some of the, some people believe that this segment need to be triggered. Like they have these, there are people, basically the way it is, is there are people who are supposedly more likely to be authoritarian and uh, supporting of authoritarian policies or fascist policies than not, or fascist candidates, I should say. Um, but that these people need, you know, the right kind of circumstances, as you were talking about with, with, with Germany post uh, World War One, they need the right kind of circumstances for this appeal to make any sense to them. So the idea is, um, it, in this, in the case of the United States, it would be a combination of the uh, the declining um, purchasing power of of the middle class, as well as uh, the demographic changes um, in the United States over. Um, the last, you know, number of decades with a, a far greater number of uh, Latino Americans and an increasing number of African Americans, even if it's not that many compared to the Latino community, as well as an increased um, perceived militancy on the part of African American rights activists, even though I think military militancy wise it's nothing compared to how it was in the 60s and 70s the perception is that it's somehow that bad or worse yeah no kidding i mean you simply have to look at the uh the republican reaction to beyonce's performance at the the super bowl to realize that they're they're playing that card yeah so my question is do you think is this a viable explanation this this idea that there's uh, fascistic tendencies in the American population and they just they they're just they've been unleashed they weren't necessarily visible in enough people before for us to to notice but now now that there are circumstances that are 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 provoking those tendencies that now they're uh you know it's 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 much more visible it's having a an actual tangible political impact yeah, I, and I mean the the fact is it's going to continue the that demographics going to continue to to move in the same direction because the people who are making money or gathering money are, are willing to work for it perceptively, whereas your your average uneducated American simply feels, hey, I should have this because twenty years ago my dad worked in a factory and had more than I did. Yeah, and 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 in terms of like, uh, I was. I don't remember where I heard this, but I recently heard someone refer. Oh, someone mentioned uh, somebody I know who is also a, a an expat, American expat. Um, uh, he mentioned how much his dad used to make in the '60s or '70s um, salary, uh, mm -hmm. and that wasn't including pension, and, and at a at a factory. And this guy's father was making. Um, about the same as what I personally make right now. Probably fairly decent money. So if you put inflation into that, he was making, I don't know, a couple times what I'm making right now. But and, you realize that, that, I mean, you obviously realize this being a political theorist, the, the, the consumer economy that we've created, this is always going to happen because you need to buy more and buy more and yeah. buy more, have a higher and higher profit margin. Well, how, how do you do that? You, you cut what you're paying the people who are, are supporting you to, to build 
these products and you try to build them cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, which means that at some point your working force is going to be making nothing and the only people with purchasing power are going to be those on top. Yes. But like you can understand at least to some degree why people are upset about this because uh, you know, if if my dad had had been making what I'm making today and without adjusting for inflation when he was young, working in a factory and I couldn't even get a job, like that that's that's kind of offensive to me a little bit, you know? Like that 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 hurts. Like what the hell has happened? Of course. You know, I want to blame somebody for that. Yeah, right? Well, like I mean the problem is the Republican Party and Trump being among the ones with money doesn't want the the blame to fall where where it where it may actually need to be put so he yeah. looks for a scapegoat because hey you got to deflect if, if if people actually realize that it's it's those at the top of, of the party you're voting for that are, are propagating this then they're going to put the blame on on where it may actually be instead of on the islamic population or the mexicans who are taking jobs but they're not yeah yeah no, you're absolutely right with that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, before we move on to the next one, I just wanted to mention that I, I do find aspects of this sort of fascist thing uh, somewhat compelling, and I do believe that Trump is engaging in tactics which we could call um, fascist or or crypto fascist or whatever you want to call it, similar to tactics that were engaged by the both the successful and less successful fascist politicians in the 20s and 30s in Europe and probably even by the extreme fascist politicians in the UK and in the United States at the time, though I don't know enough about that to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case as well. But um, I, do, I do wonder about this as a, as a complete explanation, because I think there's a lot, I mean, we've obviously talked about how there is a lot going on here. And uh, there, there's it, more than we can probably discuss in an hour. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right um, complex. Yeah. But there is there is something to think about. Is there, you know, I mean, especially given the U.S.'s history of of like public intolerance. For example, you know, the Red Scare in late World War One or the Red Scare post post World War Two, mm -hmm. both times at which you know people were and and then to go way way back the the Salem uh, witch trials and the witch hunt in North, in New England in general, mm -hmm. there is a long tradition in the U.S. of um, enthusiastically blaming the other for problems um, in, in a in a way that is, is a little more extreme than certainly anything we've experienced in Canada um, that I know of and uh, and you know or in prior to uh, prior to the 1920s uh, that had been seen in Europe since say the I guess the Inquisition um, you know, there was a period of time in Europe where, where that that sort of that st madness sort of stopped for a while, and part of it, part of the explanation may be because the people who were more susceptible to that went to North America, specifically well, do, do the United States. I think that that I mean, it could be theorized, and I, I believe it probably has been, that a lot of the reason that that the states goes with this idea of scapegoating or blaming the other is because that. The the America was founded uh, in turmoil, and it's it's always been about us versus them. No no matter how you look at it, 
the the 13 colonies it was the 13 colonies versus the british it's always been an us versus them mentality yeah going back to the and it it simply evolved changed morphed however you want to say it but they always need an us versus them mentality yeah i think the american population thrives on it yeah and i think there's a lot of support for that as well as the general religious beliefs that were brought to the united states um helped helped encourage this kind of thing because they were you know the u.s is is in part founded by religious sects which were kind of known for their intolerance you know and that's one of the reasons that they weren't really tolerated in europe when they were kicked out is because they uh, they were particularly intolerant and in the uk that was not really acceptable and so they they fled to the united states and then you know, so there's this long strain of intolerance. And that's, I guess, why there's a little bit of me that's a little skeptical of the the, the fasc- latent fascism interpretation, because I think there might be a deeper cultural explanation. But anyway, um, that, well, that, that's also a long, long conversation. Yes. Um, so uh, we, we basically, uh, we've covered, I think, everything... Uh, all the different explanations and tactics that I wanted to discuss. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we hadn't touched on yet? Um, well, it, it I, not really. I mean, it, it's just there, there's so much going on with, with Trump and, and the backlash. I mean, I read a lot of what George Takai is saying, um, and he is obviously a, a huge opponent of, of uh, Trump, being that, that he was – a Japanese American who was put into an internment camp um, in during World War II for no reason other than the fact that he was Japanese. Um, yeah. And he says it, a lot of what he is saying right now is that the comparison between what happened to him in the you know during World War II and what Trump is propagating scares him because he says it's the same thing that happened and it's repeating himself except in this case the hate is directed towards the muslim population whether they're american born whether they're you know immigrants uh, i mean you look at the the simple backlash towards uh, syrian refugees yeah and it, it terrifies me because the right looks at it and goes oh well they're all obviously terrorists yeah. Why? Because they're Muslim and they're darker skinned? Are, are, are you kidding me? Well, it's it's not just that. It, it's willfully ignoring the facts. That being that uh, the vast majority, the very, very vast majority of the people who have been responsible for the recent terrorist attacks of the past few years, and even going back as far as the, uh, the London attacks uh, 11 years ago, yep. have been born in the community in which they committed the attack or in a neighboring country in, in the case of one of the Paris attackers. But like these people are not from Syria. I mean, they may be, they may be acting on behalf of a terrorist organization that is based in Syria, but the people are not from Syria. But that goes, that, that goes to speak to, to what we're talking about, about the, the, the disenfranchised uneducated in, in, in the States. They just happen to be white and male rather than, and Christian rather than, you know, Middle Eastern um, and and Muslim. The fact is that most of these people who are are perpetuating these attacks 
yes, they were born in that country, but they they would have felt pushed out. They would have felt as if they were on the the periphery. And yeah. whether it was whether it's ISIS or Al Qaeda or whoever, they've latched onto these people who who have an issue with with what they perceive to be the establishment and simply fed on that or or yeah. fed that 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 fear. And that's what Trump's doing with the the disenfranchised what he calls uneducated white male in the states yep. and it's, it's it's no different it's just because they're american they're good old uh you know good old american boys if if they were muslim they'd be terrorists yeah you're that's a very that's a very valid point um it yeah because uh, and it's, it's it reminds me of something that i've said a few times to to people um who 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 especially in response to the so-called terrorist attacks that we've had in Canada and whether or not those are those were actually terrorist attacks is a, is a topic for another time because uh, that that would also lead us down another rabbit hole <laughs> but basically like a, a couple people have have you know said things to me that I I was bothered by in regards to the uh, specifically in regards to the two incidents that happened a year and a half ago one in Montreal one in Ottawa within I believe it was three days or two days of each other that that basically uh, caused um, a lot of people in Canada to think that we had a terrorism problem and also eventually led to the passing of a piece of legislation last summer uh, that has significantly reduced um, freedoms in Canada to the point where if we get the wrong kind of person in power, you know, a lot of people could be in danger. Anyway, again, that's a more of an aside, but just an explanation as to where this thought came from is I would say to these people who were getting really, you know, concerned about uh, radical uh, Muslims in Canada, and this is well prior, a year before the Syrian refugees came here, I would say, if this is the 60s, these people are becoming neo-Marxists or Maoists, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, it's the flavor of the month. Oh, it is. Um, and, and the idea that it isn't the flavor of the month, that it's it's this something else, it's this inherent uh, issue with Islam or something like that, is like it's it's not informed by um, any kind of like if you actually look at what's happening, especially given the 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 birthplaces and the the education and the uh, the the life histories of the people who are committing these attacks. And when I say that, I'm specifically referring, of course, to the attacks that are happening in Europe and not the attacks that are happening um, in the Middle East. Right. Uh, that these people are, are, are in some cases, I mean, yes, in some cases they are actively getting money or weapons or whatever from ISIS. But in other cases, they are just like they're upset. As you said, they're disenfranchised and their solution currently is radical Islam. But you you take you change those circumstances to some other time and place and it's going to be something else it's not they're still going to be angry people and they're still going to want to lash out at the world in some way or other they're just going to use something you know some yep. other excuse no i agree i agree so um do you have a particular uh you know as, as we wrap things up do you have a particular theory do you that you particularly like um, of what we've talked about so far that you think is better than the others as an explanation. Um, I just, I, before you answer that question, I would like to say, I, I really, I like the, the wrestling 
tactic thing. I mean, I don't think that that explains like why people are supporting him, but it, it really, I think it really illuminates why. It actually does explain a lot more if you look at the general person that watches wrestling. Take a look okay. at the demographic that watches wrestling. They're typically yeah. what most people would call um, hillbillies or rednecks. Yeah. So you look at a, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, you can go on online and take, take a look at the crowd in, in a, you know, a, a, a WWE arena. Most of them are going to look, um, you know, pretty working class. They're a lot of them are going to look kind of to shabby. Uh, you know, they're, they're what you'd call your, your, your hillbilly. It's, it's, and that's who Trump's playing to. So, I mean, the, the wrestling thing actually is a pretty good catch-all. Okay. Um, so, the the reason why we're actually doing this podcast is because I have a, a theory that I want to test on you. Okay. And, and it, it goes a lot deeper than... And the reason I, I support it is because it goes a lot deeper than the, the other explanations that I've heard. Um, because it... it yeah, I think there is there's a specific time that we're in that is encouraging this. And yes, um, the media have absolutely helped Trump's rise. And and as as we have both stressed over the course of this conversation, you know, it is a complicated subject. But there's something within human beings, I think, that is a that is allowing this to happen. That that, to my knowledge, um, hasn't really been discussed. And doesn't get discussed at all, really, in in most of our uh, um, talk about um, uh, human being beha- human behavior, which you know ma- regularly makes us all mad because human beings don't behave rationally, even though we all think we're really rational, and we we get really annoyed because like why why isn't anyone behaving rationally? We should all be rational, and we should all be robots. So, um, in the uh, you know, in 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 the aftermath of World War II, as we've already alluded to and, and spoken about a little bit, um, there was you know a, a real desire to try to explain what the hell happened, and uh, one of the uh, big questions for uh, both philosophy and 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 psychology was why were uh, perfectly normal, seemingly perfectly normal people turned into the kind of people who would. Um, man concentration camps would actually like you know as 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 their job and uh, participate in the slaughter of you know what ended up being over 6 million um Jews and then i believe a million other um various you know gypsies and communists and 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 so on and so forth and and that this is actually of course uh not to leave anybody out this is similar things have happened in other parts of the world since and actually also contemporaneously in the USSR and then afterwards in China, in um, Cambodia. And I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Um, Probably. Yeah. I, um, that's not to list all the genocides that have happened, but just the more organized genocides that have happened where they were, you know, and obviously the Nazis are the most famous because it's, it was more of a factory system than it was anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so how, how could people who are like psychologically normal at one point, um, stop being psychologically normal and do behavior that is that is in any way shape or form in human understanding we would classify as evil how is this possible and so <laughs> as a result one of the uh one of the uh areas of inquiry that 
that bore some fruit is something called social psychology. And uh, for those people who are not familiar with it, social psychology is the idea that um, social circumstances and also social systems have a huge impact on behavior, much more than we ever thought possible. That that the uh, that the circumstances of uh, your your peer group, um, of your workplace, these have uh, profound impacts on how you behave, whether or not you'd like to admit it. And, and yeah, we all I'll, I'll buy into that. Yeah, and and it's actually become quite much more acceptable. Um, you know, and you can see it in, 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 you can see it's sort of legacy in say like, you know, safe workplace policies and, and stuff like that. Well, I can, uh, I but, can tell you that, that, I mean, from, from my own experience, I've worked in both, um, factories on an assembly line and I've worked in currently I'm in what would be considered a white collar job. And I will tell you that, that working long periods of time at a factory, my, my way of speaking changed my way of thought change slightly um and it it wasn't something i intended to happen but it did yeah exactly exactly so this is this is far less controversial than it was in the 1960s in the 1960s when when the first experiments started coming out some of which were really really provocative um it was not like people did not like to hear this because one of the, one of the, my beliefs as to why it was not popular was because uh, at the time us uh, psychology in particular was in the grips of behavioralism which was the idea that we all had personalities from birth and that some of these personalities were more likely to you know cause us to do bad things sure and so social psychology was like that is nonsense essentially yep. now other thing other things killed off behavioralism as well but that was that was a big uh, part of it there I mean there's I uh, don't want to get into you know uh, <laughs> a digression but basically there was there was a other uh, form of psychology that was even more important than killing it off but anyway so social psychology is now much more widely accepted but a lot of its theories are not very well known and the one that I want to introduce briefly to to our discussion about Donald Trump is something called the just world fallacy and that is the belief uh, that that has, and this this belief, I should say, preface this by saying that uh, a number of studies were conducted, both by the person who came up with the theory and by people who were trying to prove him wrong. And th- now the problem is that these tests were all conducted in the United States or Canada, so there is probably a cultural bias here. But the fact of the matter is, is that they have not been able so far to show that this is not true. And the theory is, is that at some level, depending on the person and their circumstances and and how they were brought up, we all secretly believe that the world is fair. And that things that challenge that assumption are problematic. Now, they're less problematic for people who... Uh, have a lesser degree of belief in this, but they're more problematic for people who have completely or mostly accepted that the world is fair. And <laughs> and just before before uh, um, we get into it, I just want to mention um, that of course the world is not fair for anyone who is like, but the world is fair, and and we know this for lots of reasons. But uh, you know, a big one being, of course, that. Um, the world is, you know, created out of uh, of 
all sorts of, I'm not a scientist, but the world has, as you can tell by the way I'm talking, but uh, the world has, you know, created and evolved um, over the course of, I believe the planet is 4 billion years old and the universe is 13 and a half Something. and has, 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 you know, evolved very, very slowly and any kind of actual, like, a priori fairness that would exist if we were to believe the world is fair would have somehow had to be created by the processes that created the universe. And I don't personally think that that is a very, uh, uh, that is a proposition that holds up to scrutiny at all. So putting that aside, um, I, I find that we're in this moment here. We have a man who is, he's very close to becoming the Republican nominee for the president of the United States. And his appeal is in many ways based on this, this latent unstated belief that things are no longer fair for the white male American former member of the middle class and now closer to maybe not so middle class. And that the reason that the demographic or a major reason why the demographic changes are bothersome, why the other is an easy target for blame is because they don't feel like they are getting the fair shake anymore. They felt they, they, and the thing is they may never have felt like that, but they really don't feel like they're getting the fair shake and they think their parents did. Thoughts. Isn't that isn't that what every generation believes? Your your parents were better yeah. off than you or well like, absolutely, absolutely. You know, less, absolutely. Less had upward mobility, but for the most part, I mean you look at things and you, you feel, Oh well, my parents had that. Why why don't we have that anymore? Yeah. I mean my parents had job security. I don't have job security. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and every generation either thinks it's like the worst generation or the best generation, some combination thereof, right? Like it's, yep. yeah, no, you're no. absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. So what yeah, do you, what yeah, do you think? Yeah. What do you think? It, about it, it, it's definitely that, that Trump is, is playing the let's make everything fair and, and right again, because you're being pushed to the, the, the outside. Um, I, I, can I, I'll, I'll completely buy into that. That's uh, um, now, do I think that the world is fair? Not in the least, but um, I tend like, to think that I'm, I'm more of a, a philosophical, more rational thinker than, than um, a, a lot of people, you know, you, you start talking philosophy with most people and they glaze over. Yeah. Uh, but, but this, this idea of fairness, the, most people think that they're they're owed something simply because they exist on the planet, and it's it's not just it. Sorry, um, it's not just uh, it's not just the uh, the idea that people are th think they are owed something, but I it's that's obviously a, a huge a huge component of it. But the the other thing is that it's it's and and this is in part uh, my fault for not fully explaining it, but the idea is also that the 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 reaction the desire to demonize is a is a, is in this theory a direct consequence of uh of being dealt a blow that 
proves t- at some level to your your brain that this assumption doesn't appear to be true. And so the brain, you know, um, you know, with with cognitive dissonance, for example, which is not exactly the same thing, but is in some people believe is a very related phenomenon. You know, the brain um, tries to get rid of the cognitive dissonance so that everything is back to normal. And the way in which the brain tries to, in in the case of, of people who overly believe that the world is fair, that the um, the way in which the brain tries to uh, deal with this is by blaming people for for upsetting the fair nature of the world. So it's the fault of uh, radical Islam. It's the fault of Mexicans. It's the fault of uh, Black Lives Matter. It's the fault of women getting closer to equal pay or having more um, roles both in the workplace and in politics. That the the fair shake that my parents got is not available to me. Okay. So no, that makes sense. Y- you're you're on board with this, are you? Um. Yeah. I I can I can I can see that as being a valid. I'd have to do a lot little more digging, but from you know from what you said, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Now, how does it affect me? I, I mean. Maybe I'm not disenfranchised enough for this to be applicable. Um, well, I don't but... know. I mean, think about think about the last time you were um, self righteous about something, or the last time you were outraged about something. You know, um, I know with me, somebody for it. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, and I know with me, I I I have I have worked very hard as an adult to tone down my teenage self righteousness because I was I was awful. Um, I was <laughs> self righteous when I was younger, and. I I know that you know that was because I mean uh, upon reflection obviously not in the moment by any means but upon reflection I know that my self righteous streak which still exists don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say I've overcome it I'm just trying to say it's it's been moderated to some degree um, sure. that that streak comes from a belief that things are not right and how can things not be right well I mean something at least on some level. It's because they are violating this belief that I have that um, the world should be a certain way. And that way tends to revolve around, you know, the way I want the world to be. And and that is, it, it, it doesn't sound like fairness, but it is, of course, how all of us really view fairness is that we get a fair shake, not anybody else. Or our family does, or, or our, uh, you know, friends or whatever, our community. I mean... You can't take yourself out of the equation. You're always going to be considering yourself in, in any equation. But anyway, another subject altogether. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad that uh, that went over well because I had no idea, which is why I didn't tell you about it ahead of time. <laughs> I was trying to gauge your reaction. Um, all right. Uh, like it. it makes sense. Um, yeah. It's, cool. it's an interesting theory, and I, I think it definitely would hold water. And it, it's it's interesting too because it is really it doesn't get a lot of like I in order to learn about it I had to I couldn't buy a book about it because the book was three hundred and fifty dollars on Amazon I had yeah. to uh, I had to ask a friend of mine um, who is who's completing her PhD at U of T to borrow it from the U of T library for me because it wasn't available in the public library system and. Right. Uh, and like it's 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 shocking to me how it 
the problem is, is that the, the writing about it is very, um, it's psychologists writing for other psychologists, right? So it's dry. It, it goes into great detail about the experiments and there's not a lot of, and there's been very little coverage of it. Um, there's been, a, I, I was introduced to it myself by a guardian article, um, a year or so ago that was, um, that was uh, introducing the topic with, uh, regards to, um, U.S. politics, actually, and uh, the first I'd ever heard of this, and even though the the initial studies were done in the late '60s, seems to me that you buy into it fairly, uh, yeah, wholeheartedly. I, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I was kind of like, where has this been all my life? When I read about it, I was like, <laughs> well, this is uh, this is a very interesting explanation, and I don't believe it's completely. It doesn't. I don't think it completely explains what's going on in the United States. I think it's a very complicated situation. I don't think it completely explains anything, but it. I think it adds to our understanding. Of course. Of why, uh, I, would, uh, I would definitely agree with that. 100%. Yeah. Um, so do you have uh, anything else you want to say about Trump? No, I, I think we've uh, covered uh, – well, I mean, we've scratched the surface. We could spend yeah. a lot more time talking on this. But I, I think what we were trying to get to, I think we've, we've discussed uh, – the, the the basic root causes of, of why he's gained so much support and, and power, um, you know, whether it's media driven or whether it's a, a feeling of being on the periphery and him simply speaking to, to something that, that, that you can grab onto or that, that you can take your belief system and impose it on whatever minimal thing he's saying. I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. And do you have anything uh, that you would like to plug while you're here? Uh, no. I'm, I'm, I know I'd like to say yes, but no. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, uh, thanks for doing this and, uh, My pleasure. Um, we'll, uh, I, I think it was a, it was a great conversation and, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, we will do it again in the future. Definitely. All right. Uh, that's all for us, uh, today. So thanks for listening. <laughs>